I'm not especially good at math, but still, even for me, figuring out the center of a circle is easy. Same with figuring out the center of a segment of a line. If the segment is six inches long, then three inches from either end of the line segment is its center. And I'm so proud that I can do that. But what about the center of a triangle, especially if it's not an isosceles triangle or the center of various types of polygons? I mean, you could Google it, but you're much better at mathing than I am if you can Google this stuff and even begin to understand the explanations of determining the center of those different kinds of geometric objects. I have some friends who could do that. They're really, really smart, but it isn't me. And what about the center of a person? And are we talking the center of a person's physical body or the center of someone's soul? How would you determine the center of a community of people, like an intentional community, a group of people gathered for a specific reason? And now that I put those questions at the center of your attention for a few minutes, this is where I get to say, loved ones, what's going on? I'm Bruce, and this is A Bigger Story. So I'm not going to even attempt to discuss how a person might go about determining the center of a right triangle or a polygon or a spheroid. If you're able to do that kind of stuff, start a podcast and talk about that stuff. I do want to talk for a minute about the center of our character or our essence or our soul. And we can expand that to talk about determining the center of an intentional community, people gathered around a specific intention, purpose, goal. There's probably some geometric anomaly that I'm not aware of that allows for an object to have more than one center. But for the sake of this discussion in this episode, let's just agree that an object can have only one center. And using that as a metaphor, let's say there's room for only one thing at the center of a person's soul, a person's being. And this is one of the things that makes religion tricky. And since Christianity is what I know best, I'll use it as an example of what I mean. When, in the first years after Jesus, the Apostle Paul wrote his epistles, his letters, one he wrote from prison to an early community of Christians in Colossae, which is or was in modern-day Turkey. Nero was the Roman emperor and was actively persecuting early Christians. Imagine being a citizen of Lviv or Kursan in Ukraine and the kind of emotional, social, communal pressure that they must be under right now. Being under attack by a foreign power can have this unifying effect on people, but it can also cause confusion, disagreement about what to do, what to think, all exacerbated by the stress and ongoing threat of violence and where your next meal, where your electricity, where your clean water is going to come from. So when Paul writes to the community of Colossians under persecution for being followers of Jesus, he writes this, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, whatever you do or even whatever you say, do it or say it centered on Jesus, centered on all you know about Jesus, all you've learned about Jesus, all you've learned from Jesus, all you've observed about who he was and how he was. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor during Hitler's reign of terror in Europe in the 1930s and 40s. He was an active resistor of Nazi rule and ideology, which eventually got him arrested and in prison, and then moved to a concentration camp where he was hanged 
just days before the Nazi regime collapsed and Allied troops arrived. Bonhoeffer had previously spent time in America as a seminary professor, and there's a book of his lectures on Christ called Christ the Center. For Bonhoeffer, Jesus Christ was not merely this timeless truth or ideal. He was a concrete material revelation of God. At a certain point in history, if you want to know what God looks like in human form, you look at the first century Palestinian Jew, Jesus. Who was this flesh and blood Palestinian Jewish rabbi? What was at the very core, the very center of who he was? Not in the abstract, but who was he as best as we can determine from what is written of him in the Bible and passed down through tradition? And especially what can we say about who he was as we experience him surrendering to his torture and death on the cross? Who was Jesus Christ on the cross? I'd summarize it like this. Jesus Christ on the cross is the pure revelation of divine love. A divine love that says that the worst thing human beings could do, kill the one understood to be God's son, that even that doesn't place humanity outside the scope of divine forgiveness, divine reconciliation, divine love, and we're invited to conform our lives to Christ's by living as best we can in the same way. So what does that look like? If on the other side of this horrific crucifixion is forgiveness, reconciliation, and love, then for us, what if someone insults us, offends us, or maybe it's something even far worse? And that can get really complex and tricky. But for the basic question in this episode, what's on the other side of those things for us? Is it forgiveness, reconciliation, love, when our natural and seemingly justifiable response would be anger, hate even, a desire for revenge? Somewhat less tricky is what we know about Jesus Christ prior to his death, what he taught and embodied about our relationships with possessions, money, wealth, power, status. And once we've had an opportunity to know who this Jesus Christ is, do we or do we not conform our lives to his? Do we or do we not center our lives on Christ? And instances of mathematical anomalies notwithstanding, let's once again just say that for the sake of argument, there's only room for one thing to be called the center. And I think this is especially difficult for U.S. American Christians, Western Christians maybe more generally, inheritors of empire building and colonialism. Why do I say that? Because so many things in Western society compete to be the center of our lives. We often say things like, my children are the center of my life. My spouse is the center of my life. My family. Other times we might not say it, but our choices just reveal it. It's not hard to observe a person and come to the conclusion that, say, for instance, work is at the center of their life, or career advancement, or the building up of power or wealth. And here's another. Having spent almost all of my 60 years of life as part of faith communities, churches, I've known many, and sometimes it's been me, who make church the center of our lives. Or we make certain doctrinal beliefs, theological perspectives, or who our pastor is the center of our lives. And church at the center, all those other things at the center, not the same as Christ at the center. Church at the center and Christ at the center, those two should be interchangeable. 
because the church on earth is supposed to be, according to Paul, the ongoing material presence of Christ in the world, but it doesn't seem to work out that way very often. So church at the center is not the same as Christ at the center. Some center their lives on preserving certain religious rituals, observances, traditions. And again, those things are not the same things as having Christ as the center. So what happens if something about how Christ reveals God, reveals divine intention, what happens if whatever that something is runs counter to my perceived economic self-interest? What happens if something about Christ runs counter to what I want to do with my money or runs counter to my choice for whom to vote or how I choose to spend my leisure time or how I order my day? What happens for members of a Christian denomination who prioritize a certain way of organizing themselves or prioritize a certain stance or doctrine that their denomination has centered themselves on since time immemorial, and it turns out that those things become obstacles to the ongoing centering of our lives on Christ because those things are always human inventions. And that's when the fighting gets fiercest. Why? Because denominations arrive at those beliefs because they believe that those beliefs are the center, the Christ center. And it's very hard for them to open up to the possibility that what felt like the Christ center in one place and in one time for so long might have shifted, might have changed in a new context. Rachel Held Evans was an author and theologian. She died tragically a few years ago and way too young at the age of 37 after she had an allergic reaction to medicine she was given to fight an infection. Her observations and teachings about Christian faith and life were gentle and loving and insightful. She once wrote, when we require that all people must say the same words or subscribe to the same creeds in order to experience God, we underestimate the scope and power of God's activity in the world. This is really important because what she understood when she wrote that is that it's not creeds or human words and doctrines about Jesus that we were supposed to center our lives on. It's the very person of Jesus Christ that we are supposed to center our lives on. And that comes through mystical contemplation, through relationship with others who are also trying to figure that same thing out, gathering in intentional community with others for this purpose of learning how to center our lives on Jesus Christ because none of us is as smart as all of us. And through surrender, it happens through surrender of our need to defend all the doctrine and all the rituals that we ourselves have cherished. And yet surrender is precisely what we learn when we contemplate Jesus on the cross. And so when we surrender the need to defend and cling too tightly to the doctrines and creeds of our religious traditions, doctrine and creeds that have been used as power over others, we learn that if we surrender that power, it might seem like we've been defeated. But on the proverbial third day, we rise again. And trusting that dynamic is part of what it looks like to center our lives on Christ. And even the most expansive and progressive of Christian tribes focus so much energy on defining who is in, who is out, on doing theological and doctrinal boundary maintenance, govern more 
by fear of going astray and not governed enough, as Pope Francis puts it, by fear of remaining shut up within structures which give us a false sense of security, within rules which make us harsh judges, within habits which make us feel safe, while at our door people are starving and Jesus does not tire of saying to us, give them something to eat. And when we're not able to lean into that possibility, I think this is why the number of those who want to throw in with us is declining. We're just not centered radically enough on who Jesus was and is and will be. But it's never too late to keep trying. And as we keep on trying, I think that we can expand into a much bigger story. Stay in touch, Bruce at brucecold.tv. Remember you are loved. Go.